I'll show you politics in America. Here it is, right here. I think the puppet on the right shares my beliefs. I think the puppet on the left is more to my liking. Hey, wait a minute. There's one guy holding up both puppets. Shut up. Go back to bed, America. Your government is in control. Read my lips. Just send your cash. There has never been so many lies, so much deception. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. (laughs) Please clap. It's time for the Mike Madison Show, a new breed of conservative talk. Now, here's your host, Mike Madison. Showtime! All right, good morning. Welcome to the Mike Madison Show here at 103.9 WYAV. You get a couple hours a week from me now of uh, kind of radical, freedom-loving radio. I appreciate you joining me for it. Uh, plenty to get to today. I'm going to do a little bit of foreign policy stuff. I'm not going to have a lot of time this week to get to economic stuff because I also wanted to spend a little time today on what is appearing to be the brewing Republican Civil War. I, I'm just going to say it. I, this is one of those things that I've warned about, and it seems to be taking shape right now. Uh, if successful, if the Civil War goes into full-on battle during the primary season leading into the 2024 elections, I think you're going to see the Democrats uh, pretty much stay in control of this country for the next 25 years, uh, something that should send shivers down all of our spines. So anyway, we're going to take a look at that as well, and then uh, a little bit of little bit of what's going on around the world uh, that most people will not hear about should they not tune into this show or view some of the more truthful uh, alternative media out there. We'll get to some of that too. As we always do, quotes of the day today, Thomas Jefferson said, enlighten the people generally and tyranny and oppressions of body and mind will vanish like evil spirits at the dawn of the day. So I am here to enlighten the people generally and hope that tyranny and oppressions of your mind, I I can't do a whole lot about the oppressions of your body, but if I can just free your mind a tiny bit, maybe we will see it disappear uh, at dawn. Uh, Some some encouraging news on that front in just a second. Let's see, I had another interesting quote today. This was written in 1957. It was written by Ayn Rand. She is the author behind Atlas Shrugged, the Fountainhead, uh, libertarian writer. You know, I, well, I've seen interviews with her. Not a real personable person, <laughs> but uh, certainly a great writer and a thinker. She takes her slings and arrows. Uh, some things, some of her, some of her ideas, not real popular, but she was definitely a very smart woman, and particularly a, an outspoken person about freedom and liberty. Uh, early on in the 20th century. So I wanted to read this because I thought it was kind of interesting thinking about it now, what, uh, 65 years later. Ayn Rand said, When you see that in order to produce, you need to obtain permission from men who produce nothing. When you see that money is flowing to those who deal, not in goods, but in favors. When you see that men get richer by graft and by pull than by work, and your laws don't protect you against them, but protect them against you. When you see corruption being rewarded and honesty becoming a self-sacrifice, you may know that your society is doomed. (laughs) Uh, I think she nailed exactly where we are now uh, 
Apparently, this has been a long time in the making, but that's what we have now. Corruption is being rewarded, as we see, more bank bailouts, uh, and honesty becoming a self-sacrifice. So, anyway, Ayn Rand, if you've not read some of her works, uh, some of them are short, some of them are longer. Uh, Atlas Shrugged is a task to undertake, but uh, it's very interesting thinking uh, in her works. Uh, I wanted to play this. Uh, when it comes to people rising up against tyranny and oppression, there are some good signs coming from around the world. Uh, there was a video, just, just one of my favorite things. I've talked about it many times. There, is, there are signs of resistance in other Western countries popping up. Many of them are further down the road to the World Economics Forum's great dream of how we will live our lives, which is sad for them, but they're starting to rise up. And one of my favorite things, I saw a video of Dutch farmers recently, I believe, I'm not sure if it's completed or not, but they have attempted to or have already closed 3,000 small family farms in uh, the Netherlands. This is one of the bread baskets of Europe. They produce a great deal of food. 3,000 family farms shut down as part of the Green New Deal. They just weren't, uh, weren't equipped to abide by all the rules. So, of course, the giant commercial farms in Europe will continue on unmolested. But 3,000 family farms at risk of being shut down uh, in the Netherlands. And so there was a protest the other day. <laughs> I'm sorry. I love this stuff. Uh, the, the Dutch farmers were spraying the riot police with manure cannons. And if you've ever seen these things, I've reported on them, I think, every time I see them because I get so excited. I've seen the, they went to their parliament at one point, and they targeted these. They're just giant sprayers at the top of a tra uh, tractor that's connected to a trailer full of liquid manure, and in that one particular thing, about a year ago, they were shooting it down the front of the government buildings, and they found one open door in a second story, and they were just just shooting this stuff in through the open balcony door on one of the government buildings. Uh, this one was the riot cops, the riot cops that were out there to put down the protesters who dared to stand up for their family farms. Uh, they were just hosing down these riot cops. Now... Maybe the riot cops in the Netherlands will be as, as awake, as enlightened as the French riot police. I'm going to play this. It's terrible audio, not great for radio. You should see the video, but I'll describe to you uh, what you're hearing here. Yeah, that's pretty bad audio, isn't it? But let me tell you what you're hearing. You're actually hearing the French riot police have taken off their helmets. You know, they're they're geared up. They got the full body armor on. They've got the protection over their shoes. Yeah, that is cheers from the French protesters as these riot police have taken off their helmets, put down their shields, and have joined the protesters marching down the streets. They uh, started out originally protesting against uh, a, a raise in the retirement age, just an arbitrary one, just done by their elite president, Macron. It's a very funny video. Uh, Macron, the French elite president, now slash dictator, who just decides when his people can retire. He was doing an interview the other day. 
And people started noticing he was wearing, and this is how it was referred, I'm not a watch guy. I like watches, but I'm never going to buy a Rolex. It just feels silly to me. No offense to anybody who owns a Rolex. I know people who collect them. But he was wearing what was reported to be an $80,000 watch, as he is telling, you know, doing a, uh, an interview on the media explaining why the French people need to sacrifice and work a little bit longer. He's wearing an $80,000 watch. During the course of the interview, someone must have told him that it was being noticed, and so his hands go under the table. He's making gestures with his hands where you can see this ex- expensive watch. His hands go under the table, and you can kind of see him fidgeting around a little bit. His hand comes back out, and the watch is gone. He didn't make a show of this. He just he just sneakily removed his $80,000 watch. Not a good look when you're telling the French citizens uh, how much they need to sacrifice and how much harder they need to work uh, for their country. Uh, so the French riot police at least have joined the protesters and they are with the people we can only hope we can only hope when it comes (laughs) we're going to be in the streets at some point i'm going to tell you you better hope the cops are on your side Uh, if you're in a full-on financial crisis and this is what i tell people if you're on a full-on financial crisis uh, i don't know we can depend on police or military to be on the side of the people if they have one of the few remaining jobs out there where they can feed their families Uh, It's best to get out ahead of that now, (laughs) make sure the police are actually serving the people and they're no longer serving the elites, Uh, a different topic for a different day, but I've hit on that quite often. Uh, Let's see, I'll tell you what, I'll take a quick break and I'll come back. There was an attack, I I believe we have lost a few of our military members uh, overseas. I have not seen this making a whole lot of headlines, so... We do what we do here on this show and cover some of the stories that are not covered elsewhere. We'll do that when we come back. Stick around. This is the Mike Madison Show, 103.9 WYA. There was a story out this past week. I saw, let me get the headline here. This was on uh, Zero Hedge. Actually, the, 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 uh, the original story I had seen was on the, the Daily Mail. It says, drone strike kills U.S. contractor in Syria, and the U.S. retaliates. But I liked the, I liked the title of the Zero Hedge story better because the title of the Zero Hedge story is a little bit more accurate. U.S. resumes theft of Syrian oil hours after overnight battles. On Saturday, the U.S. Army uh, smuggled at least... Are you listening to this? This is what uh, your, your ruling class, your political class, the military-industrial complex, the oil companies, are asking our sons and daughters, moms and dads, brothers and sisters in uniform to do. On Saturday, the U.S. Army smuggled at least 80 fuel tankers loaded with hundreds of tons of stolen Syrian oil from the country's resource-rich Jazeera region to their bases in Iraq. The tanker trucks were taken out of Syria as part of a 148-vehicle convoy that crossed the illegal Al-Wahid border uh, early on Saturday, according to local sources that spoke with SANA. 
Other vehicles in the convoy included refrigerated trucks and armored vehicles, the sources said. Washington's latest oil theft operation took place just hours after the occupation bases at Conoco. <laughs> We've got an occupation base in Syria named Conoco. And, and, and all Omar oil fields, it's actually, uh, these are their oil fields now, in northeast Syria were pummeled by missile and drone strikes in retaliation for U.S. airstrike earlier on Friday. According to field sources, the occupation base at Conoco Field was hit, was hit with over 15 missiles. The U.S. media quoted the Pentagon as saying the attacks left several casualties. However, no further details were provided. Uh, that's right. We are, we are losing service members, and they are now in uh, a new confrontation, a new violent confrontation with those darn Syrians. They'll, they'll tell you, they'll, they'll make sure that you understand when you hear it reported in the media that they're Iran-backed, Iran-backed uh, Syrian rebels. I guess that's what they'll call it. Uh, I just spent some time in Austin, Texas. And I was with a guy, I got talking about politics and stuff, and kind of explained the situation that's going on in Syria and told him the same thing I've told you many times. Can you even imagine, can you even imagine if China came over here, tried to topple our government, was unsuccessful in doing it, but they did on the way out, and unfortunately this was Donald Trump who ordered this, on the way out they just said, well, I tell you what, we're, we're, we're not going to keep trying to topple your government, that's not going so well, but we are going to take all the West Texas crude. We're going to go ahead and set up our bases in West Texas, and we are now going to control the oil fields, and we're going to smuggle our oil out uh, to Mexico where we have uh, waiting trucks and pipelines where we can profit off of this. Can you even imagine a scenario where the United States puts up with this? But we are still now in Syria, and we are losing service members to injury and possibly death. The Pentagon's going to be, they'll probably be a little, little closed-lipped about this because they might have to admit, oh, yeah, we, uh, we got caught stealing a bunch of oil, and uh, they killed some of our people. They won't ever tell you that. This is a blatant occupation of Syria to plunder them. And God forgive the troops who've been ordered like mafia soldiers to guard and implement this theft operation. And of course, this, these new dust-ups happen after Syria has normalized relationships with Saudi Arabia and Iran. That's a strange coincidence, isn't it? That suddenly now our troops are under fire. Now, I don't really doubt it, and Syria may be emboldened, by their Iran back. But the, the bottom line is that Syria, Iran, and Saudi Arabia are all coming together over there. Uh, this is not good for U.S. occupation people. This is not good for our troops. These are people we have loved to be uh, a part of keeping them all at each other's throats. And now they are all start coming together. You know, the last time something like this happened was when we were... We were, Donald Trump was talking about bringing our troops out of Syria, and suddenly there was a gas attack. Well, now, suddenly Iran and Syria are normalizing relationships along with Saudi Arabia, and suddenly there's an attack on our people. We'll see if this leads to more calls for military intervention in that area as we continue to, and yes, this is not any exaggeration, steal Syrian oil. Oil that would raise revenue for Syria to, I don't know, rebuild the country, rebuild their country that we helped destroy. 
but we are still in uh, Operation Plunder. And this is one of the things I've told you. Uh, this is a war crime that was initially started by Donald Trump and has continued, obviously, in full force uh, under Joe Biden. They're all the same when it comes to this kind of stuff. I hate to tell you. And now we are on uh, an, an interesting development that China, China is also buddying up with all of these people. These uh, Saudi Arabia is pivoting towards China. Iran is with China because they've both been a target of the United States for so long. So all of these people are coming together, and China is actually on the world stage right now working on a ceasefire or a peace deal between Russia and Ukraine. And I'll tell you right now, if they do this, it is game over for American, air quotes here in the studio, leadership. When the world finally figures out that the brutal communist regime in Beijing is more adept at stopping a war and creating a peace when the U.S. is saying, and the U.S. has been on record, I don't have the clip here, but the U.S. is on record saying that any peace deal that's being considered is a no-go for the United States. This was just this past week. They said, it's not even under consideration. We won't tolerate it. You have the psychopaths in Washington, D.C. saying they will not tolerate a ceasefire or a peace deal. Let that sink in for a second. But if I can give some kudos to the right, to the conservatives, to the Republicans in this country, let me do that now, because what a difference a decade makes. This was very, very interesting. This is a, uh, a, a tweet somebody sent out. So we know what the game has been for the longest time. It was conservatives, and myself included. I got duped. I was a neocon, a Kool-Aid-drinking Republican neocon warmonger back in the 1990s. They fooled me. They fooled me for a little while, but a lot of Republicans have held on to that. Uh, until just the last few years, and the right has been shifting to more of the anti-war, and the left is going full-on war party. <laughs> AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Uh, this was uh, there was an invitation sent out. Join representatives uh, AOC and Adriano Expaliat. I don't know who that is at the student services fair. They will be joined by special guests from the U.S. Naval Academy, the U.S. Air Force Academy, the U.S. Military Academy, the U.S. Merchant Marine Academy, the U.S. Department of Education, former interns, and last year's winner of the Congressional App Challenge. Um, you have now got AOC. She's right, this progressive. You, you remember, you don't have to be too old to remember when the progressives and the liberals and the Democrats were the anti-war peace and love party. Now AOC, one of these so-called, air quotes here in the studio, progressives, because real progressives, although I might disagree with them on a lot of stuff, uh, they can smell out a, uh, sniff out a rat, and they know AOC is one of these. So now you've got AOC going out and host hosting military recruiting efforts to get bodies ready for World War III that she is helping to promote. While the Republicans on the other side, and this is what's so fascinating, and as I say, all kudos, all kudos to the right and to Republicans for moving to the right side of this issue. Uh, now you've got Republicans like Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis coming out and saying that we, in no way, shape, or form, uh, should be involved in these border skirmishes. Uh, this was uh, sent out in a tweet by Jeffrey Tucker. He said, DeSantis' response to the questionnaire was literally the first time a serious Republican presidential candidate not bearing the surname of Paul, meaning Ron Paul, 
uh, has advocated for a non-interventionist policy since the days of Robert Taft in the 40s and 50s. And Ron DeSantis basically came out and said, we should not be out searching for monsters to destroy. That's Ron DeSantis. So one of the leading nominees for the Republican nomination uh, for president uh, is, is talking against the empire and endless military uh, entanglements and actions while AOC, the progressive, is out there hawking military recruitment uh, and trying to foment World War III. It's quite interesting. Uh, <clears throat> I want to finish this up real quick with this. Another one of these very poor audio, but I'm, I, I play it anyway. I don't know. It adds a little depth to the show, a little color, a little pizzazz rather than just my voice. So I'm going to play a little bit of, uh, a little bit of audio that really won't, um, <laughs> won't mean anything to you because this is actually taking place in Ukraine. But for any of you out there who might still be flying the Ukraine flag on your, uh, on your Twitter profile or believe that Vladimir Zelensky is just this dreamy, dreamy hero of democracy, uh, listen to this. Okay, well, what that is, is that is audio of the Ukrainian police in their full police garb, state agents, um, going into an Orthodox church and uh, basically kidnapping the priest. Uh, this has been happening for a while. Vladimir Zelensky has shut down the media, uh, opposition media. He shut down and jailed opposition political leaders. He's got Nazis out there. I've told you that they're tying young kids to street signs with duct tape and painting their face black and pulling their pants down to embarrass them. Uh, they go out into the streets and kidnap young military-age men to take them to the front, where in some cases they say the average lifespan of someone on the front against Russia is four hours. Uh, this says Ukraine has given Orthodox priests a deadline by which to leave certain monasteries. The priests refused to leave, and now they are breaking in and arresting the Orthodox priests. That is your loving uh, Ukrainian government that we are tripping all over ourselves to provide them with more weapons, more money, to allow them more brutal, uh, brutal crackdowns in Ukraine. That's just, like I say, this is the show where you hear the stories that you won't hear anywhere else. I'll be right back. All right, we are back. This is the Mike Madison Show, 103.9 WYAB. I don't know. I think I may have you with me for now. <laughs> I wanted to talk a little bit uh, about what I'm seeing is the unfolding uh, Republican Civil War. Uh, quotes, I've got a quote of the day. This is a guy, his name goes by on Twitter, Anomaly. He's a, I believe he's a black guy. Pretty libertarian guy, I believe. I don't know much about him, but I did think this was interesting. He said, if Republicans actually wanted the things they claim they want, they would get behind someone like Rand Paul or Thomas Massey and roll the dice with them. The fact that neither of them are polling in the top five shows me that people want a clown show and a fake fight. Amen. Anomaly. 
Uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about what's going on right now between Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump. Donald Trump having just hosted a big rally in, uh, in Waco. I started to watch this rally. I pulled up the video on it because there was an interesting snippet in there that was referenced, but the video that I was given was like five hours and 39 minutes long. <laughs> now, Trump is known to be verbose and do quite a speech. I would imagine this is a lot of the preliminary speakers and everything too, but I'll, I'll just be honest with you. I don't have the time nor the interest to surf through five hours and 39 minutes of a Trump rally to try to find the snippet that I was uh, that I was looking for. But apparently during this, during this speech, I'm not sure, did he mention this, this came, it was interesting to be in Waco, Texas, basically on the, what was it? The 30th anniversary? Uh, what was it? What year was that? 20th, 30th anniversary of the, the deaths in Waco when the ATF, uh, attacked the Branch Davidian compound and killed, I believe 83, 86 people. Now, I actually knew one of, one of the ATF's agents, a great guy that was killed at that scene. Very, very tragic, sad story. But this is what happens when you serve the government. They do not care about you. These French riot police that I talked about earlier, they get it. But there are a lot that do not. So anyway, I don't know if there was any symb symbology. I don't know if there was any, uh, if Trump talked about getting rid of the ATF or about government overreach when he was there. I find it a little doubtful, but hopefully I'm proven wrong. Anyway, he did a big, uh, a big, uh, a big rally there. And one of the things apparently he did, and it, it was reported that it was very silent in the crowd when he did this, but he started really laying into Ron DeSantis and making some weepy sounds and saying that Ron DeSantis came to him kind of crying, wanting his endorsement. This is, of course, uh, the Trump style. And this is what I believe was going to lead to the Republican civil war that's brewing right now <laughs> that is probably going to split the party split the party in half and let the Democrats, it's, the, it's their only hope. Donald Trump, in my opinion, is the only hope of the Democrats uh, in the next five election cycles, the next 10 years for sure. Now, as of recording this, and I am doing it in advance, I'm actually in the socialist state of Illinois, as you were hearing this, <laughs> but um, Donald Trump was not arrested I got to tell you, I, I think I said, I think I said last week, I, I had pre-recorded that as well, but if Donald Trump didn't stage this whole thing, he certainly loved it. Donald Trump loves a good headline and he loves something that will whip his supporters into action and boy, did he get it. Just the thought of an arrest. And from what I understand, most all of the talk of him being arrested came out of the Trump camp, not actually out of this crooked DA's office. Don't, don't get me wrong. Maybe you're new to the show and you don't understand nuance. Maybe you're still trapped in the idea that there's always one really good guy and one really bad guy and everything. From where I sit, from what I see, it's about 98% bad guys. Maybe 2% uh, people who are actually the good guys in the story, and usually those are regular citizens. When it comes to politician versus politician, it's generally bad versus worse. But the lockup didn't come, the indictment didn't come, and I've seen as of recording this that maybe some of these charges will be dropped. We'll see, but this is the political theater, the squirrel 
that they constantly try to give people, and nothing rallied the Trump supporters. I believe there were millions of dollars raised on this pending arrest. Isn't that interesting? If any other politician did that, we'd probably be pretty suspicious. But it's also interesting that all of this came up, this grand scene in the political theater, about the same time that the banking system is collapsing. I wonder, I wonder if that's just a coincidence. A couple of banks fail. Next thing you know, squirrel, Donald Trump's going to be arrested. Now, what's interesting is, um, why would his supporters, there, there was call for his supporters to go out and protest. Uh, the call came from uh, anyone, anyone uh, Donald Trump himself. I'll tell you, there's a lot of people out there posting memes of January 6th protesters in jail with their arms crossed watching the television where Donald Trump calls out for them to go out and protest since many of his last protesters are sitting in prison cells. But I, people's... It's, it's, it's really beyond me at this point, but people would go out there. What, what was great to see is that Trump supporters are smarter than he is. Now, I don't know... If rallies, if protests around the arrest of Donald Trump were going to be set-ups by the feds, of course, it's entirely possible. And I guess we could probably say probable. But I don't know if Donald Trump doesn't know that that would be a huge opportunity for his supporters to be set up, or he just doesn't care. But thankfully, uh, most of Donald Trump's supporters are smarter than he is. They know better than to go out into the streets. They've seen the example set on January 6th. 85% of respondents polled on Donald Trump's own Truth Social website think protesting against his arrest would be risking a January 6th-style setup, despite Trump himself telling them to go out and demonstrate. Far and away, this is what Donald Trump had posted. The far and away leading Republican candidate and former president of the United States of America will be arrested on Tuesday of next week. Protest. Take our nation back. Eighty-five percent of people looked at that and said, uh, we're going to take a pass on that. Of course, that 15 percent, that 15 percent are the kind of people. I actually saw someone flying a flag that said Trump or death 2024. Seems to be taking it a bit far. Trump or death. But I wanted to, to mention this because I'm telling you, I'm telling you, this thing is setting up, and I, I think, ugh, I don't want to see it happen. The left is authoritarian, censorship, World Economic Forum nightmare waiting to come. I do not want to see conservatives lose across the board because of their allegiance to this one man. There was a picture of Donald Trump praying. Praying. This was this was sent out. We know that there were deep fakes sent out about his arrest. They got a lot of people all fired up. There's a picture of him, of him praying, and and people were looking at it and saying, "His hands are funny. This looks like it's AI generated." If anybody else was playing Christians and evangelicals, like Donald Trump is, God fearing people would be. I'll tell you what, they'd be pissed off if they knew it. But for millions, uh, Donald Trump himself is a deity. I see him being compared recently in the last few weeks to Jesus. He's been persecuted, but he will rise again. It is truly one of the saddest things I've ever seen, and I ran across this clip. 
just just for reference, I mean, this is basically a warning. The Democrats' only hope is Donald Trump. Do you think it's an accident he gets all of this attention? Do you really believe that the media doesn't know that even the thought of an arrest makes Donald Trump more powerful with his people? I mean, you couldn't script this thing any better if this was a major motion picture. This is exactly the way it would play out if they want to make sure that Donald Trump is the nominee. And even though nothing has changed, this is the the logic of the Trump supporter at this point really kind of escapes me. He was cheated out of the 2020 election. Nothing's changed, but this time he'll win. There's another one, too, that I, that I hear a lot. Well, Donald Trump, he's learned his lesson because I, I, I had a lot of problems. As his presidency went along, I kept pointing out, who, I'm, I, told, I warned you about Christopher Wray. I warned you about Bill Barr. I warned you about John Bolton. I warned you about Mark Esper from Raytheon at the Defense Department. I warned about all these things. I was told I didn't understand. It was all part of a plan. We see how that plan's worked out. Well, people say, well, he's learned his lesson this time. He won't bring all these swamp creatures in. Do you know where he started his campaign? In South Carolina. Do you know who he was standing next to to kickstart his 2024 campaign? Lindsey Graham. The swampiest, one of the most disgusting politicians that has ever infested that horrific Washington, D.C., Lindsey Graham. I've asked people about that. They say, Mike, you got to understand, it's a strategy. I really believe that Republicans would be much more impressed of a strategy of attacking Lindsey Graham and saying, the war party neocons are gone. I am not a... But no, as long as Lindsey Graham says nice things about Trump, Trump will embrace him. Because Trump doesn't have core beliefs. He wants to be idolized. And anyone that does that, uh, he will certainly... Uh, praise like this. Much Tony, and we really appreciate it. And John, thank you. And thank you. Thank you very much. Fantastic job. Thank you very much. And you don't have to shake hands with. I see him every. I see him every day, so I don't have to bother. So uh, that's Donald Trump uh, congratulating Anthony Fauci for being doing such a great job. As a matter of fact, I ran across this. Where do I have this? Uh, Donald Trump tweeted this out on January 3rd of 2021. Listen to this tweet. He said, Something how Dr. Fauci is revered by the lamestream media as such a great professional, having done, they say, such an incredible job, yet he works for me and the Trump administration, and I am in no way given any credit for my work. Gee, could this just be more fake news? Donald Trump wanted credit for Anthony Fauci's work. And that's because he cannot share a sliver of the limelight with anybody else, which also leads us to what we'll come to next, his now new war and attacks on Ron DeSantis. The Republican Civil War. It is starting. It will be headed by one man. And I believe there will be tears on the other side of this thing. As you do see your country slip further and deeper into the clutches of the left, 
because the Republican Party is about to be split into two pieces. I'll be right back. You can't see the end. Guys, cock back. Shock at which can't defend. The rain then sends dripping. Acidic questions. Forcefully. The power of suggestion. Then with the eyes shut. Looking through the rust and rotten dust. A small spot of light floods the floor. And pours over the rusted world of pretend. And the eyes ease open and it's dark again. From the top to the bottom. Right on the top I stop. At the core I forgot it. All right, let me let me start this out by explaining to everybody. I, I'm no Ron DeSantis for president guy. He he's had some allies that I certainly don't like. But my main concern when he was in Congress, he was a bit of a neocon warmonger. Now maybe he's t- changed his stripes. I hope it's honest when he says we shouldn't be out searching for monsters to destroy. But I've had some problems with Ron DeSantis, so I'm not here to pump a Ron DeSantis for presidency thing. Um, But somebody needs to explain to me why it wouldn't have been a slam dunk for Donald Trump to have gone to Ron DeSantis and said, look, I'm only going to serve one term. What's he going to be like 79, 78, 79 years old if he wins in 2024? And wouldn't that set Ron DeSantis up perfectly for an eight year run after that? You'd get 12 years of Republican presidency. Instead, I believe you're going to get zero. Why is it not a slam dunk for Donald, uh, for Donald Trump to have gone to Ron DeSantis and said, look, we would make a hell of a team? I believe it's because Donald Trump understands the popularity of Ron DeSantis and he cannot dare share a sliver of the limelight with anybody. Maybe that explains the, as I said from the very beginning, before Trump was even inaugurated and I came on air, why he chose Mike Pence. For a guy who supposedly is an outsider, Mike Pence was a just an establishment stooge. I was proven right on that one, too. I was told I was wrong for a while. I didn't understand the plan. But maybe that's why he gave the wholly unimpressive, uninspiring Mike Pence a shot, because he knew he could outshine him at every moment. Uh, Ron DeSantis, I believe he's scared of him. So I'm not here hawking for Ron DeSantis. I believe Republicans need to find somebody like a Rand Paul or a Thomas Massey. Somebody who wants to set you free, not pander to you and tell you they're going to use the gigantic government uh, that they will continue to grow to beat the other side over the head with it. Because I don't like it when the other side beats me over the head with it. But what he is, his take on Ron DeSantis is going to split the Republican Party. I believe, because he's not ever going to lose the die-hard Trump people. They're just not going anywhere. But he's not picking people. He's losing a lot of people, enough to not, if he does win and wrecks Ron DeSantis, Ron DeSantis has got his fans too. Those people are not going to go vote for this guy that has been this brutal on Ron DeSantis. Instead of praising Ron DeSantis, bringing him into the fold, making him vice president, he's decided to attack. There were a couple of things I wanted to mention on this attack that I thought was What's interesting, he put out a statement, said, now that Ron DeSanctimonious is finally admitting he's in the race by beginning to fight back, and now that his polls have crashed so he has no other choice, let me explain the facts. This is Donald Trump. He says he is, for a Republican, an average governor. He got 1.2 million less votes in Florida than me. Now listen to this one. He fought for it. This is what Donald Trump is saying about Ron DeSantis. Donald Trump says, quote, he fought for massive cuts in Social Security and Medicare and wanted Social Security minimum age to be raised to 70 years old or more. Donald Trump has a problem. 
with Ron DeSantis wanting to end socialist programs. This is Donald Trump saying he wants to keep Social Security, the Ponzi scheme that is Social Security that robs Americans of their money throughout their entire working lives and gives you back a little stipend towards the end. And with the fate of the dollar and the money printing that has gone on, your Social Security checks are becoming worth less and less and less, not to mention the fact that most people under the age of 50 are probably not going to see any check at all, or if they do, it's going to be with worthless dollars. Donald Trump's mad because his Republican challenger wants to cut these massive socialist programs. Now, if Ron DeSantis, if that's true, and Ron DeSantis wants massive cuts in Social Security and massive cuts in Medicare, he might just win me over. But instead, people are opting for a Donald Trump who wants to make sure that Social Security and Medicaid, the biggest socialist programs that we have running right now, Donald Trump wants to make sure they're nice and secure. He goes on to say he was a terrible governor during covid I don't think it's very hard to argue that Ron DeSantis was the best governor in the country when it came to COVID, despite having been wrong for a, for a few weeks, maybe a couple of months. Even I was cautious the first couple of weeks, but Ron DeSantis made one of the fastest U-turns uh, on COVID out there, but he's using this. I, I, I don't have time to go through this entire statement where Donald Trump is attacking Ron DeSantis, but this is where you are. And this is what is, I believe, going to lead to a Republican civil war because Donald Trump is such a slam dunk. Ron DeSantis is not easily hateable. And I even said, for four years of Donald Trump, if he changed his style, he could be a Reagan-style president with Reagan-style popularity. He'll never change. He is going to alienate half of the Republican base. He's going to fire up the entire Democratic base. And you are going to wake up in 2024 to another Democrat, horrible administration. And I'm telling you right now, you're going to lay this all at the feet of this one singular human being that cannot get out of his own way or our way. I have no problems with people want to thank Donald Trump for the things that he did. He did a few things, but he did not... (laughs) He is not the deity that he has been made out to be. He is the wrecking ball to the Republican Party. And as, uh, it's, it's a good thing I'm pre-recording this show because I don't think the other host would let me out of the studio after doing this. But uh, it's not the last you're going to hear about this. As long as this civil war goes on, I'm going to be documenting it because this is something I'm telling you. I'm warning you right now. Tell, thanks, tell Trump thanks for the memories. Time to step aside uh, and find somebody less polarizing Somebody with some core beliefs would be super duper. I don't dare to dream. And see if you cannot wrestle this country back from the left's control. This is guaranteed to hand it to them. That's all the time I got. I'll see you next week. Uh, Bye-bye.